everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today, we're going to be talking to our old friend Ed Buck about astrology. I'm not entirely sure why he wanted to talk to us about astrology, but he did, and uh, he's got an open invitation here to the show, so that's what we're going to be talking about. So, why don't you clue us in, Ed? What's going on with astrology? Sure. Uh, I think it's related to my first appearance on the on the pod where I was talking about like podcasts for women. A lot of media oriented at women is very self help or wellness related. And if you try to like read like Vice, uh, Jezebel, Broadly, that kind of thing. Everything is kind of plastered with wellness, and astrology is kind of the centerpiece of it. Everyone believes in astrology. Every single woman 100% <laughs> believes in astrology. I believe it's genetic. I believe it's related to the double X chromosome. I think it develops spontaneously at some point. Um, I actually wanted to do an experiment where we, you know, the way Herodotus describes Egyptian kings, uh, you know, depriving children of language. And they and seeing if they develop some sort of language on their own. I was wondering if you could like completely seclude a, a young girl and see if she spontaneously develops an interest in astrology or starts looking at the stars and figuring out her chart. I have a theory about this actually. Now that What's you the, mentioned all this, no, go on. What's the theory? Well, I I wonder if because they can't read, but they are, you know, forced to be taught to read. They're forced to quote-unquote learn how to read in school and all that kind of stuff that perhaps they kind of get confused about what reading is and they start to look at the stars and stuff like that and think about that as a form of reading and so astrology is some sort of like crossed wires there with like the reading and the physical inability to actually read yeah it's like a primitive man like looking to the stars to explain you know the bad things that happen to him right like they're taught like you look at these symbols in this order and it has some kind of meaning to it. And then they start to notice that in places where it's not really intended. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're off the rails already. We're, 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 <laughs> well, my other okay. idea was to uh, lobotomize a woman and see if uh, she still has an interest in astrology. I don't but, think that's legal anymore. I don't know. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. It's legal in some places. You know, uh, maybe like Bahrain or something. Just yeah, let's not let's not take it <laughs> off the table. Just because it's not politically no correct. No brain, Bahrain. That's what they call it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, it is true. Uh, every woman believes in astrology. So that's premise one. Um, the level of commitment to the belief in astrology is like 100%. The kind of faith that a woman, average woman has in astrology is like, the faith that Abraham had when God told him <laughs> to cast out his firstborn son, Ishmael, mm -hmm. into the desert, uh, or when God told him to offer up his secondborn son uh, as a burnt offering, that's the kind of commitment that women have to astrology, even if they refuse, if they're crypto-astrologists, and they, they say that, oh, no, I'm rational. It's false. They 100% buy all of it. It's both like breadth and depth of it. So like, every part of astrology and also every like technique into it. And what's interesting about it, I think, is that uh, now it's very, very widespread. And by that, I mean that men gave up. Is that the only uh, check on astrology spreading was men going, nah, that's <laughs> not true. Uh, this makes no sense. But 
we kind of stopped doing that. And now I think it's everywhere. I think at the end of 2020, there was a big astrological confluence or like two planets came into close proximity to each other on a observable sky. It's Jupiter and Saturn. It's called the Great Conjunction. And LeBron James tweeted about it. And then like Google Doodle was like celebrating the Great Conjunction. And I think now astrology is probably more popular than it's ever been. There's not a lot of hard data on this, but there, there are these humongous apps. One is called CoStar, another is called uh, Pattern. And they just, all they do is they produce these little kind of horoscopes and little kind of charts. And then they produce little advice uh, for every day and for like long-term goals. And every single, like every other person in the United States has that app on their phone. But if you don't kind of tune into this, you're basically uh, kind of locked out. It's like a parallel universe. Uh, And if you just, you know, I don't know, if you're like me, you have no idea. Like you just don't understand that there's this other thing that's been developing for probably a decade now and has taken over America. Uh, Much like something else that has taken over America. Uh, I think there are like, there's an image of rationality as being kind of dominant or hegemonic. Like we have this light of reason and everyone more or less kind of agrees on the same premises of like, yeah, we should be reasonable, understand each other. We should, you know, produce kind of coherent statements and reduce everything to things that make sense. And that image is just plain wrong. Like that's just not how things are. Instead, I think everyone has a tiny little reserve of rationality. Like you have a small little place for you uh, where you kind of know how things work and you kind of try to build something there, build a house there, basically. Whilst you are like in the middle of a demolition derby or like, if you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you know the video game Twisted Metal, you yeah. are in the middle of the Twisted Metal like arena. And there are like millions of people just kind of going off of each other and shooting rockets and killing each other. And you're just trying to like make ends meet or something. Whilst like there's this giant ballet of irrationality just constantly going on. Yeah, you're playing Stardew Valley and they're playing Twisted Metal. That's right. You are like, yeah, like a Minecraft. I don't know, like you're building your own (laughs) little settlement and people around you are just off the wheels. I think it's kind of related. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be like, "Hey, here's a current thing." But uh, there was a thing that happened recently, which is that <laughs> they took over the capital, and a lot of those people, I think, are you would call like normal Americans. Like they are, you know, obviously sociologically, you could probably find like, well, maybe they are of a certain uh, background, or maybe they are like kind of extreme in some way. But an average like person in the world believes some wild wild shit completely it's completely like if you try to apply reason and coherence and try to be like well does this really make sense does it really make sense that joe biden is a satanic pedophile that stole the 2020 election uh yeah yeah i mean like (laughs) that one's actually rational but uh sure uh, stop you're just testing us yeah yeah if if you're a (laughs) if you're a patriot listening to this uh (laughs) oh no (laughs) <laughs> January 17th, Twitter HQ, <laughs> activate. Yeah. Patriot, yeah. Patriot, sure. Control. Anyway, uh, 
what I was saying is like people believe these really strange things and an average person I think actually is or like a working class person, a person of a demographic that people think is like in control or kind of is important, believes strange, odd things that you can't really control from a place of like, well, is this rational? It's yeah. just it's just out of control, just within their view, and they kind of open themselves up to it. And you are just kind of standing outside. And my two yeah, points. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Oh, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's that that sort of jives with my experience is that a lot of times when people are making political points or like broad kind of points, they they uh, sort of appeal to like that silent majority idea in one way or another. Like even like with uh, a lot of socialist stuff now, there's that mainstream kind of the of it is all now like, well, if we knock on doors and talk to average people, they're reasonable people and they'll go, okay, well, maybe we don't agree on much, but we might agree on healthcare or something like that. You right. Know? Yeah, and, people always uh, point to polls, Medicare yeah, for all, like 80%, yeah. you know, positive in polling. But I, I do think that there's that giant, like, reserve of uh, irrationality that, I don't know, I always find it, I've always found it nerve-wracking in a lot of ways because I always feel like just talking to average people here and there, it's like they're one step away from saying something completely off the wall <laughs> and, and me being like, uh-oh, got it, can't trust this person now or something, you know? So, Yeah. I'm feeling very defensive about my right as an American to be insane. I feel like you guys are coming at this from a critical angle. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, that's absolutely what I mean is that yeah. I think there is like a well or like an ocean of like, I don't know. I, I, I come back to this image in Jean-Paul uh, Satz, uh Nausea. There's this image of him like sitting down in the park under the tree and just completely losing it. Just everything just goes insane. And everything just, every solid concept just becomes this weird gyrating mass of blackness. And I think that's kind of how people see the world a little bit. Is that like they're one step away or like one strange event away from just everything unraveling. And like the Ken Loach, like the, I don't know, Jeremy Corbyn, Bernie Sanders idea of like, well... We're all just normal guys and we all just want, you know, healthcare. We all just want to help each other. It might be true in some sense. Maybe like if if I'm in a good mood, like if I'm like in a very good mood, I could be like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if I'm pissed off or if I'm just like in my normal mode, which is not a good mood. (laughs) Which is pissed off. Yeah. (laughs) I do not want to help these people. I do not want to be in the room with these people. And if I were like to believe something like QAnon, I don't want them to have health care. I don't want them to have good things. I don't want, I don't want, they're not like me. Like that stuff just doesn't work. I feel like, I don't know, like if you try to be like the guy that stormed the Capitol in the fucking Viking outfit, QAnon shaman, I'm not going to come up to him and be like, hey, you know, like what's your healthcare plan like? Uh, yeah. I just don't think that will work. Uh, because his mind is on intergalactic pedophiles and my mind is on what's your deductible. It just seems like there is like a complete misdirect when it comes to that. And astrology is a kind of a microcosm of that. Is that like, I think a lot of it is fairly anodyne in terms of like, it just doesn't have, it's not biting. It's not scary. I think this is like a thing that people 
always come back to astrology is that it's very down to earth. Uh, it's just like, well, is your meeting going to go well? How's your relationship? How, how's your relationship with your family or how's your romantic relationships? That's kind of what astrology really talks about. But this well of in- irrationality that astrology kind of taps into is like concealing like these darker, stranger things. And ultimately, I, I always feel like you're kind of just dancing around this problem of like catastrophic or strange. Like once you buy into that, the irrational impulses or irrational ideas that you have, they have a lot of validity. Once that happens, I feel like you are, you could be on down on the road of something really dark and strange. Or it could be an awesome adventure to Washington, yeah. D.C. <laughs> it could be a great, you know, like people stopping the fucking steal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And patriots in control. Uh, yeah, so like that stuff, I feel like that's just, that's what astrology kind of is. It's a part of that system. It's it's very normalized. And my two points about astrology is that one part is that despite being this kind of anodyne, simple, uh, kind of like day-to-day, quotidian, you know, kind of uh, superstition, what it is in reality is this kind of very much normalization of, of an irrational element in our lives, which is the point that uh, Theodor Adorno makes in his book, which is called Stars Down to Earth, because it's, you know, it's not actually this weird superstition. It's very much integrated into our daily life. The second point is that the critique of it, which I think is social critique generally, just does not land. Like if you were to point out, this is irrational, this is stupid, and it kind of makes you more open to other elements of irrationality. For Adorno, that was always any step towards irrationality was always a step towards Auschwitz. Is that like it would be a step towards industrialized extinction of life. That just does not land. People don't buy it. People don't recognize it. And people just will reject it if you try to do that. It's just like this kind of obsolescence of critique. Is that like this ideas of theory, of like a theoretical insight that you could have by reading philosophy or reading sociology is completely like falls on deaf ears. People are familiar with it. People understand it and they ignore it. The, fo- the common image is that, uh, what's the Jonathan Franzen book? Uh, the uh, Corrections? The Corrections. Is that like this guy who is a professor of critical theory, right? He kind of, I think he literally quotes like Horkheimer and Adorno. He understands all of those things and he just chooses to act in these like bizarre and kind of irrational ways. And he, at some point, like the, the paradigmatic scene is he sells like his books, like the Dialectical Enlightenment to try to bed one of his students or try to, you know, like try to get like on a date or something. And it's like, it's like symbolic act. He's selling, literally selling out, he's selling these ideals. But then he's actually confronted. One of his students confronts him and goes like, Hey, why does any of this make sense to you? And he's unable to defend himself, even though he has this theory, he has this education and he has this like preparation, I guess, mental preparation for this precise like question being posed to him. And he just can't do it. It's like in the daily life with the experience that he has, social critique just does not square. It just does not, you know, people will just not accept if he tries to kind of talk about like how everything is just a road to fascism or everything is like materialistic or everything is consumerist. It just does not work. Normal people, again, like the average person, 
their ideas are in this well, in irrationality or in a place outside of these concepts. And I'm not sure how to square it. I have an idea, but I'm not sure if you can really come back to Adorno or come back to like other social theory ideas. One of which is kind of like a positivistic sort of, is a science? It's not a science, right? Like it's not scientific. But again, like that objection also does not land. Like none of the previous objections really land, really like make it hurt. They never really um, mm-hmm. kind of make any insight or like make people kind of meet you halfway. They will just flat reject it. They will not accept it. They will think, you know, they will remain in the well. I'm not sure what you guys think is a solution to this. But I found it like a big blockage. Like if you try to tell someone, hey, you know, you know, this astrology stuff, it's a little weird. It's a little odd. What do you think? And they'll be like, nah, this is this is kind of what I am. What do you guys think? Yeah, I guess for me, like uh, when I was more like, you know, atheist and stuff, all this kind of stuff, like all religion, uh, Scientology, astrology, uh, superstition, anything was all basically one type of irrationality that sort of like globbed together. It's funny because you, you know, even you said, uh, you know, that irrationality doesn't really, you know, heed like, you know, you know, the more rational slash, uh, you know, philosophical or theological thought kind of thing. And, um, that's interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, like it's, it's hard to, square that for me now where it's like okay well i do think that religion has you know a rational structure to it uh does that mean that i have to be less strident against you know like astrology astrology or something like that you know like is it something that like is it irrationality fighting irrationality or is it like okay here's a rational view of how the universe sort of came into being and whatnot do I have to be like, well, maybe there's a chance that astrology is real or something, you know, like do I have to kind of be like, I don't know, like it could be, I don't know, like it, maybe it's some demonic thing that is there to test our faith or something, or maybe it's like, uh, you know, it just, just by chance, by weird hundred percent chance, it also like just happens to work out that astrology somehow has some underpinning to it that I just don't have a, like, you know, like, is it, I think that there's that two sides to that question where it's like one one is everything that involves some sort of supernatural aspect just one block of irrationality and then on the other end it's like do you have standing to critique a system that you think is irrational when you believe something that's you know other people would think is irrational or something so yeah yeah my thinking is sort of along the same lines i kind of I think that there's a, a few assumptions going on here about like rationality and the objectivity of it in the, in the sense that like, can we actually access a sort of objective rationale or are we always sort of applying our own, uh, you know, this kind of irrational machine that we have, you know, if it's like inherently sort of broken in this way, then maybe trying to just make everything rationalized is not necessarily the way that will work out for us like maybe that's not uh, maybe it's always going to be irrational in some to some extent and so to try to rationalize everything fully will lead to more problems than kind of like domesticating that irrationality or something you know mm-hmm. um and with astrology in particular i don't know if you can kind of take it as a 
good case example of this because um, astrology was, Ed, you, you said that you thought it was never more popular than it is today. And that may be true. It's certainly more popular than it was for, uh, I don't know, the earlier part of the century maybe or something like that. But it was it was a big thing in like pre-modern Europe in the Middle East. Uh, it, I think it was it was uh, even like early modern kind of stuff. It was it was still going on a little bit, but it, I think it was different then. I don't think it's this uh, just because they kind of use the same, you know, the the same umbrella, you know, of it being astrology ostensibly. I don't think it's necessarily the same kind of thing going on. I think that whatever was going on in the pre-modern times is difficult for us to understand because it's just such a different context that whatever they were really discussing within that the astrological discourse, whatever was really being discussed there, I don't know if that's something that we can really access. Like I, I, I'm sure a lot of it was just kind of woo-woo nonsense, kind of like what it is today, you know, kind of like how, what we're talking about. But there was probably something there that they were getting at that is uh is just veiled to us in some way sure and i meant in the modern age like not in the prehistory okay yeah that makes more sense yeah Uh, and and today i think people are just taking that old stuff and kind of saying like oh i'm doing that and just kind of going whole hog with the whole thing without any sort of like just believing they've uncovered some kind of hidden truth or whatever and, and going about it like that without any sense of like carefully thinking about what they're reading and what they're you know buying into and all that kind of stuff so that is a little bit worrisome to me i'm not like the the idea of irrationality being either inherent or like a dominant part of our thinking doesn't scare me really but the idea that people are willing to dive fully into irrationality is uh is a little bit worrisome i mean it's honestly it's kind of the same sort of uh concern that i have when people dive fully into the whole like oh we're going to rationalize everything i think uh both of those are it seems like you're warding off a some sort of challenge or problem that you see coming you're just like oh well this is this has got to be the solution so i'm just going to go with this and uh that that just seems like uh asking for a disaster you know like you instead of being willing to confront the problem and then addressing the problem with whatever kind of solution you can come up with, whether it it's on some level rational or irrational, whatever it's sort of deciding what the answer to everything is going to be beforehand. And then just hoping that works out, you know? Sure. And what you're describing, I think is as what you describe as two sides, right? Too too much rationality or too much irrationality for Adorno. You know, the great thesis of the dialectic of enlightenment is that it's actually the same side. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Is that like we begin, everyone begins from a kind of, I think, a point of view of rationality. Like nobody says I'm an insane psycho and here's what we're going to do. I don't know, maybe some people do. But uh, I think like society <laughs> generally begins with like fairly rational, in the modern sense, like increasing, you know, well-being of most people or something like that. But then as you do that and as you exercise mastery over nature and over human like nature, both like uh, cosmologically and like existentially, you are like advancing towards a path of greater rationality. You are actually like turning rationality on its head. Like even if you make like these technological advances, which are great exercising of reason, you know, conceptual thinking, 
at the same time, you are bringing forward this like society full of antagonism and incoherence. The great illustration for Adorno was always the war, is that the Second World War was this like the most advanced technological spectacle that could have been brought about, and it ended with the Holocaust and the two uh, nuclear bombs setting off. So, even as you are advancing this, you know, in the name of rationality, you are reaching this point of complete irrationality of you know mm-hmm. exti- of extinction of life. Even as you are, you know, as this you know slogan of rationality is ringing out the earth you know radiates disaster like everything is just horrible so yeah i think that's true i think that's that's um i guess like the danger i mean i guess we we kind of all kind of agree on that you know this is like a way into something bad but um it's kind of hard to find what don said this kind of legal kind of idea of standing like how can you say that this is where can you really like place your objection I guess the the question is like kind of begging a little bit of what exactly is rationality? We kind of assume that rationality is something clear and obvious, but actually there are these like more serious, I think, epistemological problems. But putting that aside for a bit, I think that ultimately maybe, I don't know, maybe there is a kind of a place for irrationality or, you know, something like the unconscious or something like that, a psychoanalytical concept of second of of irrationality or sociological i think that you can still make sure that what's going on is not really fully rational you can still you you, st- you still can find a zone of of like good rationality and i think you can still detect astrology as not really it's not actually like fully rational it actually kind of takes on the structure of society in a way and that was one of the points that Adorno made is that even though it appears as this kind of tapping into the unconscious and the animalistic sides and the, you know, kind of the cosmological esoteric truths, what astrology actually in reality is, is like these like very simple prescriptions for action. It actually reduces to the rational like system of our lives. Like the actual things that astrology says are like, you got to drive, you got to like pay attention when you drive or something. <laughs> Like make sure yeah. you don't get into an accident or or uh, don't take a long road trip if you're sleepy or something like that kind of advice. And it sounds very like obvious, like, yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, I think that like it reflects the fact that in our society we have all of these like contingent choices, like basically like, let's say, do I go like on a trip with my, my friend, you know, that they want to go on or do I go? What career path do I choose? Or let's say I'm sick. What treatment do I choose? Or something like that. Like a lot of these choices are very small decisions that you kind of make for yourself. And they require these exercises, I guess, of rationality or decision-making capacity in some way. But they are kind of arbitrary. Like what kind of clothes do I wear? What kind of food do I eat? What kind of car do I drive? You kind of just make a choice among many other choices. And astrology allows you to kind of make that choice with a reason like it gives you like oh, okay you're a you know you drive a, a big car because you are uh, kind of an individual that likes big things like that likes extravagance because you're a leo and you like to announce yourself so you buy a truck uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually like matter if you buy a truck or buy an suv maybe like environmentally whatever but uh you know like it's it's just like a reason to do that kind of thing it's like marketing 
it lets you make a choice without actually having a choice. You have like this illusory choice, a fake choice of, you know, like different brands or different things to do. And this again, like taps into another idea that Adorno had of this like fake freedom that society creates for us, this consumerist kind of paradise where you can make all kinds of choices. And also in the artistic scene, you get like all kinds of like entertainment products, the culture industry products. But there's no difference, really. There's no critical, rational criterion by which you can kind of select the correct thing. You're just being scammed. <laughs> and the choice like which... damn oh, cyberpunk with those life paths. That's right. It's like you get like a, an RPG decision tree, but at the end you get the same ending. And I think that's kind of like, that's what astrology kind of comes in to do. It comes in to kind of be the handmaiden of these like myriad of inconsequential choices and it creates kind of a meaning in a story for why you make those types of choices but in the end you are confronted i think in some sense with this the fact that they are inconsequential and they are just kind of things you choose randomly arbitrarily you could have rolled a coin instead of rolling a a six-sided die or something or a two-sided coin you rolled a 12-sided coin, which says, like, oh, yeah, I'm on Aries, Aries, or a bigger coin if you have other signs. So I think now mm-hmm. is a good time to kind of introduce our signs and our charts, because I, was kind of, I thought it would be kind of cool to kind of get into a little bit of it. Um, yeah, yeah, that should be fun. So uh, we uh, we kind of gave you our information before the show, and you were able to look that up and... I guess you're some kind of expert wizard or whatever about this kind of thing. So that's right. I've got your information, um, mm-hmm. and using that information, I can figure out uh, your credit card numbers and your passwords. But uh, <laughs> the other side of that is that I figured out your charts, and for both Tom and Don, and Tom has uh, his chart is very heavily into the Capricorn. So he has Capricorn Sun. You have a Capricorn Mercury. And you have a bunch of other Capricorn planets placements. So the Capricorn is like, it's a traditionalist sign. It's (laughs) somebody who has to uphold tradition. Somebody Uh who has to follow the rules. And it's a kind of a somber somber planet. Oh, that's me. Structure. You know, you are productive, responsible, you are competitive, and you are mature. Oh, yeah. That's You're every a, single one of those is absolutely spot on. I'm very <laughs> productive and responsible. <laughs> and you are an adult. You're not a child. Well, that was true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you are ambitious, but you may panic in times of stress. Uh, this the this book I'm looking at. I'm looking at astrology for dummies, literally. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a, amazingly. I would say I'm like totally off you know, on every single one of those. Like. <laughs> Well, well, let's see. Uh, so the sorry side on this astrology for dummies is that you are a natural-born conservative, uh, no matter what your politics may be, and you have a plan and a budget for everything. That's kind of true. You are status <laughs> conscious, you are money-minded, and you can be fearful, repressed, and pessimistic. <laughs> so that- As iffy. As, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> no? No? It doesn't land? Nah, uh, I'm very optimistic. You are very optimistic. Well, a thousand might, more years, baby. You might be happy to know that your um, one of the people who's also a Capricorn son is Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, great! 
cool uh, the star of hamilton uh and yeah. you know, i guess the director of it so uh, you know you you're basically the lin-manuel miranda of our group i think yeah now i'm starting to see it that 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 makes sense now all right and for don wait hold on hold on though I, capricorn is like a sea goat or something right it's a goat yeah it's uh okay let me see. uh i looked it up once when i learned that's I, I thought it was just like you had one sign. You know, I think that's what most people kind of know is like they have one thing. I didn't know there was like this whole system behind it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I thought Capricorn was like a sea goat. And I thought that was kind of cool because all the other ones are like fish or twins <laughs> or whatever. And mine's like some made up animal. <laughs> yeah. So you are uh, is either a mountain goat or a sea goat. Nice. Who, yeah, there you go. Who's a goat above and a fish below. So like a mermaid. Okay. Uh, what, what's the difference, like the sun and the mercury, and all? What, what does all that mean? So I can give you the technical definition. Um, astrology is complete bullshit. Uh, it's like <laughs> <laughs> this is where we yeah. kind of go mask off. Uh, at some point, they split the sky, the visible sky, into twelve zones, and it's a complete arbitrary distinction between different zones, and. Uh, it's not actually corresponding to any constellation. There is a constellation of Capricorn. It's not corresponding to that. It's just a splitting. And where the sun is at the time of your birth, that's your sun sign. That's your main sign. That's your astrological sign. And where the moon is, that's your moon sign. And where your Mercury is, that's your Mercury sign. The sign that's like right on the horizon, as the, like on the eastern side, uh, that's your rising sign. So, like, all of the signs correspond to either planets or the positions on the horizon. So, you have a sun sign. The main three signs that people kind of talk about are the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. And they correspond to some aspects of your personality. So, like, certain parts of my personality are governed by the sun sign. Other parts are by the mercury sign, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, I think mercury is, like, your communication. Venus is, of course, love. Anyway, uh, that's kind of like the thing. And then the, your moon sign is like your, I think like the sun sign is how you appear. The moon sign is like your inner self. And the rising sign is like your like. Um, My future or something? I forget what it is actually. I think it's like it's some in some way corresponds to like the ego, the superego and the id. It's like uh, one of them is who you want to be. One of them is who you actually are. And one of them is who you appear to others. And. I have to say that at these points when they explain this on the podcast, I kind of tune out. But uh, <laughs> for you guys, it's very simple because you are very stacked in a single sign. So your moon, your Mercury is the same Capricorn. Your rising is also Capricorn. So you actually are just the goat. You're just the conservative. Uh, <laughs> I am the goat. I like this. Astrology <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You're just the conservative, like money grubbing uh, asshole uh, everywhere. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It's a good point to actually kind of, there's like a meme, I guess, or like a, a kind of a figure of speech of like, oh yeah, the main thing is that like the mainstream astrology is only focused on the sun signs. That's a big thing. If you search it on Twitter, that's always a thing. If you search on Twitter, sun sign astrology. But the thing is that like these other things, these other like signs and these other like uh, additional like aspects of your personality they just make it like less precise <laughs> to me. It just makes it like, oh, you rolled twelve dice instead of one die. Uh, yeah, and it just—I don't know—it just makes it more ridiculous. But it kind of corresponds to like, okay, I have to make all these other choices, like because I clearly am not uh, conservative, or I clearly am not like a 
I'm not just a description that someone wrote. Yeah, Literally, but some cool. aspect of you, maybe you could like say like, okay, well, there's that part. There's that conservative part of me, but then this other die that you roll, that explains this other part, and then eventually you get enough like inkblot test. You have yeah. an actual description exactly of yourself. Like it's yeah. like the you know the Myers Briggs stuff is like oh yeah of course I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of outgoing if you know in a given setting like if I'm around friends I'm outgoing so right I'm right an extrovert and you can see how this rationalization is coming in right like it's you know dividing the sky into twelve zones and mm-hmm. each of these zones dictates some part of your personality and all that there's some causal you know logic there A leads to B but it's not based on anything. Yeah, I mean, like the the part actually, there's no causation. Like the thing is that like you can divide this guy into twelve zones, and you can find like psychology of like who you are. For Adorno, like there's no connection. Like it's just like there's astronomy or like you know things you can do with the sky and draw lines on the sky. I don't want to dignify by calling it astronomy. And then on the other side, there is like psychology where you figure out things about yourself and who you are and like what things you like, things you dislike. But then astrology kind of mixes them together and says like, oh. Here's a connection between them, but it never explains it. And that's why it's not theological. Like the thing you would, you know, let's say we actually believed astrology were literally true. Like literally the, the configuration of the sky determined the fates of billions of people <laughs> until the end of the universe, presumably. That's a fascinating universe to live in. But the first question you have is why? Why did that happen? And I think like a lot of theology is like, well, why did this happen? Or like, why? What exactly is the mechanism or what exactly is the kind of connection to me, both cosmologically and also existentially? Like, what does it mean for me as a moral agent in the universe? Like, you know, if we recognize the fact of incarnation of God and Christ, that has a humongous consequence for me as a moral agent because, you know, I have a possibility of salvation in the afterlife. The fact that Saturn makes you more like pragmatic or whatever you have no like explanation or no consequence for you. It's just like, yeah, you know, you got to be more careful with your money or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just no why, or there's no like, like this would be like brain melting. If you were, if it were actually true, like that fucking star from a thousand years ago where it was because you know, like the, the years you get, the, the, the light that you get in your visible sky is actually from you know, years ago. That's, determine your life forever that's humongous mm-hmm. right you yeah. know, like because you're not a moral agent anymore because it's been determined by this other thing yeah and i think the lack of like a background grounding theology behind this like modern incarnation of astrology is sort of what lends it this extreme like woo-woo kind of thing i, I think like in a pre-modern context where people are coming from some religious background they have like a pretty strong theological worldview like some sense of like god created this there's like some sort of narrative there you can look at something like astrology and just view that as this like auxiliary thing where whatever you see in the stars it's not like the stars are doing it necessarily it's more like for whatever reason you can see god's will being enacted by the fact that oh well these seem to line up and that's the way god did it It, it's not like it's not a grounding force, and because it's so flimsy, it, it's fine when it's not that. You know, it, when it when it becomes like central to your worldview, I think that's when things get kind of weird. 
Yeah, and I think like one of the earliest denunciations of astrology in the classical text is by Augustine in The City of God. There's a long section on astrology. And it's a very like, actually, it's a little bit like uh, if you read Richard Dawkins Providing Astrology, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. Kind of makes very rational arguments for why, like, okay, these people were born, one was born at midnight, the other one was born a minute after midnight, and you're telling me they have completely different futures? Yeah, That's yeah. ridiculous. Al-Ghazali has similar passages in his writings. That are yeah, I'm like... Exactly like that Richard Dawkins, like, debunking kind of, like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> in the city of God, it's like, well, let's look at twins, like, literal, like, twin studies. I'm like, well, uh-huh. this twin is a man, this twin is a woman. Why is it they were born at the same time, or more or less? Why is it that they have different fates? That makes no sense. Uh, it would be like a Ben Shapiro going, like, well, let's take your premise. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and well, but, yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, I just said, uh, you had sent us different tweets before about, like, uh, showing, like, computational stuff or whatever. Like, showing, like, people uh, using some sort of, like, spreadsheet program or some sort of program uh, that... It seemed like a little bit more complex than the straightforward co-star sort of thing. And also, like, yeah, like the related thing, like, is there an ideology behind it in sort of the influencer side of it? Like, are people that claim that they know backwards and forwards, do they have some complex, like, Wiccan or some other sort of worldview which makes it correct kind of thing? Like, actually has the whole... Oh, it's because, you know, the energy of the universe flows through us or something like that. You know, what, like, what are the background ideologies of those kind of people? So I think there is a two, there's a kind of a difficult problem of object of study. So like a particular person may have a justification or a grounding, a foundation in like a religious or a theological idea, but a practice generally for me is no, like they are very much saying you can believe whatever you want to believe. And this is actually like a trope, a fairly common thing in like astrology discussions. Is that like you may be a Christian, you may be a Muslim, or you may be a Hindu. Humongous in India, you know, rules all kinds of things in India. Humongous in China, humongous in Japan. They have their own systems also, but they also like Western stuff. And it's just like, you know, one size fits all. We have this thing, we have this idea, or we have this tool. And whatever you want to believe... At some level, you can check this and you'll see that it fits. And then you can kind of justify it in a way. So for me, no, there isn't any. And there is, it doesn't allow for a theological or like a philosophical like undermining. Because if it were, you would undermine. You would just be like, yeah, this doesn't sure. make sense. Come on, think about it for a second. So that's, that's my answer. A lot of the debates kind of things that I see uh, in that discourse, it seems like people trying to discredit other people in the same kind of milieu like being like oh that person is a white girl who doesn't understand what she's talking about or something like that you know like it's it seems like there is some level of critique within it of other people doing it and then uh, the thing that interests me is that that also that you know trying to add complexity or new styles of being able to do it uh, as if it makes it more sophisticated and accurate stuff like that too like that seems both of them seem kind of bizarre to me. I mean, part of it, it gets, it seems like bound up with like a identity politics sort of stuff, like where it's like, well, both the number one, which is, uh, you know, we opened pretty hard on the whole that this is a lady problem or something, but like, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, beyond that, we, uh, you know, like, uh, it, it gets sometimes it seems like into racial kind of stuff, like 
white women are profiting off some traditional practice or something, you know. Right. Black and, girl uh, magic kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, that feels strange because it's like, it's it seems like a way of insulating it from critique, uh, almost like by attacking first or something like that, being like, you know, white people just don't understand astrology or like men don't understand astrology because of some fault within themselves or something. So, I don't know. That's just a strange aspect of it so. it's hard to suss out if that is the political climate sort of leaking in and reflecting you know like because that's how a lot of discussions about politics are nowadays at least on twitter and all that where these discussions are going on you know that's sort of how things play out and it's hard to kind of figure out how much of this is like inherent to astrology or or whatever's going on with astrology today and how much of it is just like the fact that it's the time that we live in and that's what people are going crazy about the age of trump age of trump uh yeah i I like both of those ideas because i think adorno actually responds to both of these or he has like a a, an idea for both of them well adorno's just got all the answers doesn't he that's right he just seems to be like a (laughs) very smart individual uh so for adorno there's this problem of semi uh he talks about semi-erudition and semi-literacy and semi-erudition is like this sophistication that a lot of astrology actually does have is that like there are other systems or there are other things you can learn um it's got it's very broad it's very shallow but it's very broad you could be like oh yeah i know indian astrology i know chinese astrology i know uh, all this kind of stuff i know like how this particular system works or i know like about this weird comet that also is like, you know, on the 12 uh, signs. And if this comment is there, that actually is your karma or something, or that's your dharma or something, like one of these stupid ideas. Uh, I wonder if like the patriotic MAGA astrology people are like, don't buy into that bullshit Chinese <laughs> stuff. It's knockoff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> good, kinda, that's a huge good American <laughs> astrology. That's a huge controversy. It's like QAnon people are all into astrology and they all have their own like, oh yeah, Trump is going to win because, you know, the great conjunction. The Great Conjunction is going to reset the politics and make Trump president again. Here we got to crack this thing open and show them it's all a bunch of <laughs> Chinese tea leaves that they're reading. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there is like a real mechanism of like defense. Whenever people, I don't want to sound like a misogynist. Uh, I really resent <laughs> I Don. A late, <laughs> I really resent Don implying that there was a, a, a hint of misogyny. But, uh, White feminism, that, that's kind of thing, that idea that like white people just don't get feminism uh, is very similar mm-hmm. to that. those types of defenses of like, oh, yeah, this is just like an indigenous magic thing uh, or this is just like a, you know, like a, a white person just would never understand this or a male would never understand what's going on here because they're too busy, you know, being racist, storming the Capitol, uh, restoring the integrity of American votes. Uh, and they are just not able to, you know, comprehend the essence of it. And that to me, again, like is, uh, is a, like, that's just a feature of the, of these like new superstitions or new like irrationalities is that they're able to kind of take on the features of the right wider society. They're able to kind of, yeah, reflect what the actual debate is in the political system and like kind of integrate it into here. So you have these like, uh, liberal astrologers, which is, you know, most of them. And then you have these QA non-astrologers or right-wing astrologers. I'm sure there are I'm like um, communist witches, that kind of thing. I'm sure you can find that. And it's just like, clearly, that's just the underlying conflict in society. That's just like what the different sides are. But they all have to kind of 
frame their arguments as like, oh yeah, you're just misreading this like Taurus chart or whatever. Like you're just in mm-hmm. that. So that makes it funny uh, to me. I like I like reading those types of debates. Sure. Because they have to kind of agree on like, oh yeah, this ridiculous system that we all believe in. We all have to frame our arguments in those ways. But the ultimate opposition is that like you believe in that satanic pedophiles are ruling the country and I believe that we're going to build back better with Joe. And yeah. I just, I mean, I don't know. I find that very funny. But uh, yeah. it it is like, that's the social practice. That's like the the field of struggle. I don't know, the Althusserian term. Okay, so how about we, yeah, move on to mine. My oh, yeah, let's do, let's do Don. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear Don's thing. So Don is extremely stacked in Taurus. Uh, Don's uh, sun is Taurus. Don's moon is Taurus. Don's Mercury is Taurus. Don's Venus is Taurus. Don's Mars is Taurus. And his, uh, his uh, rising is Pisces. So your sun is Taurus, which is um, the quote at the beginning of the section is from Harry Truman, the man that dropped the two uh, nuclear bombs on Japan. And, allegedly. Uh, uh, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, the Tokyo lies never stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in good times and in bad, you are steadfast, dependable, and willing to accept responsibility. No, no. <laughs> no, I don't think sound? so. But no? Let's, oh. keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> you have an intense need for security, both emotional and financial, and you make conservative choices and try to avoid change. Uh, you hold on tightly, only giving up when there's no other option. Once you've made a decision, nothing can convince you to change your mind. Your tenacity is legendary. That's and pretty you good. Have, is that pretty good? I like that. Like all of your personality is in Taurus. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's actually, it's called a stellium because you have like everything there. And actually, uh, I think it's your Venus. Well, one of the planets is also like in the same house as all the Taurus stuff. So it's like you have a stellium. A stellium is like a combo. <laughs> it makes you stronger yeah. in that in that sense. So uh, you are extremely Taurus sided. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the bad sides of your personality are that even though your dedication is impressive, your leisurely pace can drive other people to distraction. You start slowly and you refuse to be rushed. You can be stodgy and you can easily fall into a rut. Plus, you're stubborn. So you can be greedy, you can be status conscious, you can be acquisitive, gluttonous, self-indulgent, and self-pitying. So that's, that's I don't know, that kind of sounded pretty harsh, but do you, do you think yeah. that's accurate? I'll accept it. Yeah. I'll take the criticism. Yeah. You'll take the criticism. I don't know. I think that like the stubborn one is hard to, I think that's a good one for like astrology because you can't really be again, like non stubborn, I think maybe, you know, like it's one of those things where like you hear it, you don't go, Oh, I'm not stubborn. You know, like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's not like, it's like one of those things. I think, I feel like that's what the, the sort of markers they use a lot of the time are ones that you either have or don't care that you don't have. Or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like you either uh, you either buy into it or you're like, hmm, maybe not that one. But it's not like you know, you will make this decision in this way for sure or something, and then you don't or something. Yeah, you know? so yeah, or it's something that's really relative, and you can it, it, it scales really well, right? Like there's different. Like someone can feel that you are stubborn about a certain thing, and then when you you read this astrology thing, it says, yeah, you're stubborn. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. I never back down when it comes to uh picking my favorite spoon for breakfast you know that kind of thing yeah it's yeah, like, yeah it's not really a defining feature of your personality but you see that and you're like oh yeah that's me for sure 
Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, if you throw a bunch of darts and there are 12 targets, it's not actually a dart ring. It's literally 12 things. You'll hit <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, yeah. Some of it is true. And yeah, like I'm stubborn when it comes to um, yeah my spoon or something, or I'm stubborn when it comes to my politics. I can be stubborn in a setting or, you know, like it's just not, it's never sure. like, oh yeah, you are a left-handed person who's a vegetarian. Like it's never anything falsifiable. Yeah. Because otherwise everyone would just be like, no, I'm not. And let's let's believe in something else. Uh, you'll be happy to know that one of your like son signed brothers is George Clooney. So <laughs> oh, yeah. It's basically, again, like I see you as a George Clooney of our group. Sure. And yeah, other, for sure. other people, Stevie Wonder, Kate Blanchett, Salvador Dali and Dev Patel. So, oh, good, yeah, that's yeah. good company. He, yeah, he was in Slumdog Millionaire, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the. That's, I think that's so, the star. Yeah, so maybe that will be my nickname from now on, Slumdog Millionaire. I'm so, so stupid. I, I didn't know that <laughs> name, so I just, I, I literally just assumed that was like a famous doctor. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just it's, like oh, all these actors and yeah. stuff, and then oh, okay, must be the most. Uh, Rich doctor in America or something. Yeah, best <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dentist, astrologist, plastic surgeon, electric engineer in America. <laughs> no, it's the guy it's the guy that hates Apu from Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I I noticed something about these uh, whatever site you're using or whatever, mm-hmm. is that it's always telling us like it told me I'm conservative, it told Don I'm conservative. Is this like those political compass things where whatever you answer, it's like, <laughs> oh, guess what? You're actually a libertarian. Go check out ronpaul.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be a funny thing. But I think we're all earth signs, <laughs> I think, more or less. Uh, so I think we are all conservative. Blood, blood and soil. Yeah, yeah that's okay. right. Uh, so yeah. we're all like, I think we're all earth signs. I'm actually not sure. But uh, yeah. we are all grounded and conservative and we hate uh, women, and which is true. Uh I well, could do mine. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, yeah. let's hear yours. Mine really quickly. Um, I'm Pisces Moon and I am Leo Rising. And Virgo is the sign, it's the sign of rationality. And it's the one, <laughs> it's one of these, like, you get the shit end of the stick if you're a Virgo. But, uh, so I am, nothing sneaks past you. It's the sign of autism. You have an eye like, <laughs> detail. You have an inborn sense of efficiency and a supreme sensitivity to the implications of language. Uh, I can be smart, funny, and engaging, and you have extraordinary analytical abilities. You have a rare clarity of mind and an enviable capacity for concentration. And then the bad things. You're too hard on everyone, yourself included. (laughs) You can't distinguish between that which is acceptable and that which is ideal. And the example is your spouse. Uh, (laughs) The example of what's (laughs) ideal is your spouse, if only he or she would shape up. You can be very demanding and incredibly disappointed when your demands aren't met. And at times you act the martyr, compelled to put up with inadequacies of others. But you also suffer from spasms of guilt, inferiority, shyness, and anxiety. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not 100% That, that seems off. spot on. <laughs> yeah, that seems exactly right. Yeah, I think you might have written that yourself. And then just, That's right. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced for this is real now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Vir- yeah. An example of a Virgo is uh, Beyonce. Uh, and okay. I'm sure. Oh, my own example of a Virgo is Theodore Adorno, uh, born on oh, okay. nine, born on nine eleven. Uh, I've always thought of you as the Beyonce of our show. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think of myself as the East Side Dave of Ron and Fez show. <laughs> uh, to your guys, you guys are okay. the Ron and Fez. But uh, yeah, like Michael Jackson. Apparently, um, 
Bernie Sanders. Oh no, this is Moon and Aries. So no, not me. I'm a different guy. But yeah, uh, or uh, Bashar al-Assad, also a Virgo. So very nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This has mostly been a setup, actually. I uh, I have an article in oh, yeah. the recent uh, Jacobin magazine um, for uh, winter to 2021, I guess, or 2020, and uh, it is a, an astrology article, actually, where I wrote out twelve the different signs and stuff. So I had to like research what they were kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I had to like look up like what they meant in different ways. And uh, it it was, I knew it would be impossible because there's, I'm sure there's all cliches about all of them and stuff. But I realized that like, if I spent more than a few hours on that side of things, uh, I would just drive myself insane kind of thing, you know, like just, <laughs> just reading, you know, whole books about, <laughs> you know, what, what is a Leo like or whatever, you know? So I, uh, so exactly what, what I did, what happened to me, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, okay. No. Uh, so what I did is I looked at like the different co-star or whatever, like uh, astrology things and just looked at like, tried to get like one cliche of each or something and then sort of like half-ass match it to a joke about <laughs> socialism and uh so that worked out okay so now I, I consider myself a professional astrologer now that's basically okay. the thing so you know we're in uh dialogue between faiths oh, I here so, yeah. <laughs> this is a, i can't believe yeah. you sold out to big shirk like that Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where can people read that though where is that being published it's it's in it's in the the print issue of the latest uh, jackman that's out so yeah all right cool Speaking of Shirk, uh, the catechism of the Catholic Church explicitly prohibits participation in astrology. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like, uh, but you did white girl astrology. You only did sun signs. You didn't sure. Do- yeah. D- does the church make a distinction? <laughs> well, yeah. That's actually, I think, the Deuteronomy and both Deuteronomy and I think in both Leviticus explicitly prohibits soothsaying. Mm-hmm. But the word mm-hmm. for soothsaying in Hebrew is like, not exactly what they use for astrology so there were basically no like rabbinical objections to astrology ever because they don't consider it soothsaying so you can you can probably finesse finesse your way past uh, saint peter yeah so like uh i think that's how it works actually i think that a lot of it kind of works like for astrologer people is that they kind of just begin as i don't know what's a hustle i can do what's a way Mm -hmm. i can like make a little bit or kind of go viral. If you actually listen to a lot of their podcasts, which I do, you get like this very influencer kind of sense of like, I'm an Instagram account with a million followers and here's how I go viral. It doesn't actually sound like they never have any disagreements, even though they both believe in like completely opposite views on astrology. Like mm-hmm. one is one believes in a different system. The system that we talk about is the kind of standard Western astrology, but you know, maybe you believe in Indian astrology or maybe you believe in Chinese. That's not too different from this podcast, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess it's a dialogue of faiths. But they never go like, you were just wrong. Like, I guess you guys never go, you were just, <laughs> you're just going to hell. No, but they never like <laughs> this like rational system that they're supposedly advancing. It has like rational, you know, kind of semblance. It's mm. propositions yeah. and it's based on some evidence. So if you compare the evidence and evidence said one thing, my evidence said the other thing, you kind of go like, well, one of us is wrong. But that's never that never arises, and what arises is like, how do I go popular? How do I make money? How do I, you know, kind of go big? And that's actually the kind of inside talk of a lot of astrology producers 
content creators is that like how did you make it how did you create this thing how did you make it more popular so i think that what you did actually is kind of quite close to what they do <laughs> yeah it's one step down a long road yeah like you could probably make a career <laughs> yeah sure but uh the thing that i find kind of funny is that like yeah like that's just that's just it that's that's the other side is that like there's this system that you can could like rationally kind of try to you know kind of dissect and try to be like well this doesn't make any sense but the real answer is that it's a racket and that's like adorno's view also is that it's not it's like fascism it's like a racket you know that it's false in some sense or you know maybe you don't really care if it's false or true what you care about is how to scam people, how to get people to believe in you, how to get people to buy your thing, how to get people to reject other things, and how to get people to kind of more and more involved as opposed to like any sort of criterion of rationality. I can appeal to your, you know, DSA, I don't know, democratic, whatever, whatever they believe in. I can appeal to that, you know, if I put it in the language that you understand, and then I get you into this well. And from that point on, you're mine. And... I think that's actually how it works always, is that a lot of people are confused and confronted with these meaningless choices and aren't happy. And here's a thing that I can give you that introduces a semblance of agency to your life. And that's the real problem to me. Like that's the real reason why these critiques don't work, is that you don't you're not confronting the situation with people. You're not actually saying to them, What you're doing is not just like irrational or unscientific or unmaterialistic or whatever. You are stuck in this, I don't know, warm existence where like you are just confronted with nothing and you have no way out except to trust some scammer. Mm -hmm. And your only solution is to believe this stupid thing on your phone. And that's terrible. That's a terrible thing to be in. And that actually, yeah. that actually hurts. That If you told that to people, that would actually hurt, I think. Well, not, yeah. Maybe not for me, but if you're like a person that they respect, they would be like, no, that's, that's, that's bad. But telling to sure. them, oh, yeah, this is not scientifically materialistic. Adorno said that this is culture industry. They will not get it because mm -hmm. it doesn't relate to, it doesn't hurt them. It's like, um, I think Sam Hyde has a video <laughs> from a while ago where he kind of says, you can't just call someone a hipster. That's not people don't get that that's an insult you're not insulting them what you have to do like on twitter you have to find out if their relative died recently or find out where they live and send uh, a threatening mail to that post uh, address uh, and that's the way you hurt people you actually get them scared or you get them kind of annoyed with their life in some way you can't mm -hmm. hurt people by just saying oh this thing from 50 years ago this stupid book that i read that's actually why you're wrong that doesn't land uh, these systems yeah. of irrationality, if, if we believe in some sense that they are an opium or something or like a substitute for something, you have to offer an alternative that hurts them, like that makes them kind of actually afraid of what they're doing or like unhappy with what they're doing, as opposed to kind of just not meeting them at all. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, Wait, and so that, what are we supposed, we're supposed to send death threats to people's family what are we doing um, <laughs> all i'll say is that january 17th patriots awaken um but no like i, I don't know like I, I don't i don't actually know like how to do this generally like i don't know how to like make people afraid or make people unhappy with what they're doing generally 
but like if you were that that would be like the thinking is that like you try to find what what actually makes them what actually would make them kind of change their minds like what actually would make them kind of confront this on the level of like this is a bad thing that i'm in as opposed I mean, to is it that bad though like we were saying at the beginning of this that that you you kind of believe that the idea that most people are largely rational is untrue and that it's really we have a small reserve of rationality and that most of what we think is you know in the realm of kind of irrational kind of stuff and i i mean it, it, this seems fairly benign sure. if, if we're if we're kind of just like doomed to be irrational in, in large parts of our thinking then you know some people are gonna buy into this so you know whatever sure uh for me, uh, what I'm proposing is like that's how you would do it if you wanted to. If you had like a positive program for, let's say, a rationally ordered society, which is what like a lot of that's what think, Antifa wants to do. Yeah, like that's what Joe Biden wants to do. But like if you if you actually had some sort of an idea of like, well, maybe we shouldn't have this much irrationality, or we shouldn't have this type of irrationality that plays very much into essentially like a consumerist or a kind of meaningless rut existence. If you had some sort of a positive program, this is how you would change the minds of people. You would actually try to find what makes them unhappy uh, and try to equate what they're doing with what makes them unhappy. If you wanted to break, like, let's say uh, you guys talked about productivity or like um, being kind of stuck in like these destructive sequences in life, right? Like not being able to do stuff. The way you would actually like get people to like become more productive or more kind of self-improve a little bit you'd be like this is this kind of sucks and you have to confront it you have to actually like step up well yeah i guess so i, I think this is what hell is for this is why god <laughs> tells us about hell it's like hey guys this this leads you to a bad place yeah uh well i do think that there is a place at some in some sense at least on, on before we go to hell or at least before we go to hell uh you know in a nuclear explosion fairly soon I think we should be able to kind of fix at least some of the problems while we're alive. And this is how you do it. You try to like actually find out what people find miserable about their lives and how this part, this little bit of irrationality just kind of puts you uh, back in that place. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I think that's the whole idea of this world, right? Is like, it's not quite right. You don't quite feel at home. It's not very. It's not a good permanent residence for us. So you're you're preparing for the the real thing, and you need to kind of learn some things and get yourself ready. And astrology is not going to cut it, I guess. Spoken like a true Capricorn, uh, order <laughs> traditional conservative. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, All right, fair enough. So that's kind of what I have. So yeah, that cool. that was pretty good. I think we can yeah. move on to questions at this point. Sure. All right. So that was a fun little chat about astrology. Let's move on to the questions from the listeners. So this one says, "Not sure if this has been asked or answered before, but this question is for Don. What are your thoughts on liberation theology? Do you agree with Pope Benedict the Sixteenth's view that it effectively emits the idea of God?" and that it changes the figure of Christ fundamentally. I know you've talked about liberation theology a bit before, but I thought it seems like a kind of common thing that people ask about, so maybe a short little response sure. to that. 
Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I think that I haven't read much about it other than, you know, we just did a show about Dorothy Day and stuff, but, um, so I've read a little bit about it, but I guess, uh, I feel like with any religion, you kind of have to wrap your mind around the basics of it, uh, at least within the orthodoxy of, you know, whether or not you agree with it, but just, you know, it feels more respectful and like more, I don't know, it just seems more like sincere to kind of, uh, not just try to click clone paste the existing politics that you have yeah. just assume that it's going to transfer over um there's a lot of people i know that you know are deep into the liberation theology kind of stuff that i agree with a lot with and i think are cool people and stuff but like uh i don't i don't know i just think that like uh the political you might be like forced by for some reason to actually perform politics in that way like a radical left way by your you know the premises that come from like religion might you know push you in that direction and i think that's fine and i think that it's it you know it it to me it's probably true that something like that is correct but like uh it seems like uh the more like supernatural or like moral overarching elements uh are much more profound than you know, putting a cross and hammer and sickle in your bio or something kind of thing. Like it seems like almost trivializing to some extent if you lean into it a lot and it just becomes basically a different type of like flag in the bio kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like I just, uh, yeah, that's why I don't, that's why I don't do that, I guess. And uh, why I am kind of careful about it because yeah, I mean, and the other thing is that like liberation theology can mean a lot of different things. And that's one thing I kind of avoid too is because, you know, there were people that like uh, a lot of the priests and stuff um, that were involved in these things, you know, they, they went different directions with it. They were like, well, okay, uh, if you want to become, you know, if you actually want to live the gospel, what you have to do is become a guerrilla fighter and, uh, you know, fight for socialism in the hills or whatever kind of thing. Right. right? Like, like Jesus did. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that, that is like a real tradition. Like, it's not like. But to me, it's like, uh, you know, that that seems a bit different than saying like, oh, I think that socialism is good and abstract, so I'll call myself that. You know, like going the extra mile there is pretty, you know, that is a pretty extra mile. I don't know. Like it's a, along that lines too, like, uh, you know, priests would also do things like uh, get involved in politics, like run directly for office and stuff. And I, I don't really like that. I don't think that that's, I wouldn't want a bunch of priests in the United States to run for Congress or something on like a pro Trump platform or pro Biden or whatever. I just doesn't seem, I don't know. Just, 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 just seems like it gets you into a lot of messes that they're already not good at getting themselves into messes kind of thing, you know, out of messes. So like, <laughs> it's like, maybe not like, uh, let's not like, uh, multiply the problems here. So, so it's stuff like that. Like there are a lot of premises that are, have no, like people don't really talk about as much, but were big parts of the, traditional like 60s 70s kind of movements and stuff so yeah all right next question says what are your thoughts on cowardice is it a vice or a virtue is there a special heaven for men who fall in battle is it better or worse than normal heaven do men who fall in battle automatically go to hell this is someone with some very specific concerns i hope we got to them before they you know Fall in battle in the capital. <laughs> yeah. Well, this Babbitt. was sent 28 <laughs> days ago, so. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. could have been Ashley Babbitt. Yeah. As someone with an anxiety disorder, I guess I'll have to say, 
that uh, I hope that uh, personal cowardice at moments uh, doesn't keep me out of uh, Valhalla, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I've never, I've never really been able to sympathize with this kind of martial valor kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not really a big part of my experience. Not really a big part of like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times it's a cover for something worse. Um, but you know, maybe if it's sincere, you know, then it will give you a ticket too. I think that maybe like, yeah, like, uh, if you do have some strange martial, uh, belief system or whatever, then maybe like you will get the special heaven, uh, like, uh, Klingon heaven pins. Yeah. Like pins medals on you all the time and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's walking around the clouds with like North Korean general style. Like, yeah, yeah, tons yeah. of medals and stuff, <laughs> yeah. saluting each other. It's the yeah. final, final scene of Star Wars over and over again. Just, the yeah. angels are playing war exactly. drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the medals are like, there's like, you actually, it's like fractal or whatever. Like, if you actually look <laughs> in on the medals, there's like billions of medals on their, <laughs> on their chest. And one of them is like, uh, on October 25th, you remembered to take your medication before you went to bed or whatever and stuff like that it's just like it's like it's like every moment of your life that you were brave that gets a medal so little gold stars for every good deed sure yeah yeah i don't know i don't have any specific ideas about cowardice i uh i think it's not good to be a coward i guess i mean i i suppose you can't really say that cowardice is ever a virtue that's an odd question to me because it Sort of is like baked sure. into the yeah. word that it's like a, a negative thing. So, I don't know. Ed, you got any thoughts on this one? Nope. Still an atheist. <laughs> okay. No, no position. All right. Um, okay. How about this one, guys? What should be the new name of the Cleveland baseball team? Hmm. So, Cleveland's in Ohio. And so is Leslie Wexner. And he's the head of the snake in the United States, according to Maria Farmer. So okay. I'm thinking. The snakes. The snakes. Yeah. That's pretty good. Cleveland snakes. Well, yeah. Not really a good, uh, you know, a lot of arm and leg skills in baseball. And <laughs> sure. Not sure that snakes uh, well, exemplify that. But, a spider. Yeah. How about that? Well, that's true. But like, <laughs> what the hell is an expo? You know what I mean? Like, what is that? Well, it was the Expo in 67 in Montreal. It was like a big thing. It was like the World Fair fair kind of stuff. Well, Global why was expo. the baseball team named after it? There's no arms and uh, legs in an Expo. Uh, it's like an exposition. It's like a fun... Uh, it's like an event. It's like a show. It's like a show-off or something, I guess. I think if you I had know. a team full of snakes and a team full of expositions... The snakes would win a game of baseball. Okay, well, gonna have to put on my Montreal hat after this and <laughs> get the bad vibes so, out. Yeah, it's within the realm of possibility, no matter how small, that the snake would eventually be able to, you know, sure. throw a pitch and hit the ball somehow. And the next position is just not physically possible. Okay, well, you take the side of snakes if you want to. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with. The best team in baseball, the Montreal Expos. So, yeah. All right. Okay. How about this one? Favorite nineteen nineties video game mascot. Mascot. Hmm. Yoshi, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Yoshi's a good one. 
Yeah, I can't really think of one. Armitage from, uh, or like the guy from Shadowrun, uh, 1993 for SNES, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go with that guy. I don't know. He had like cyberware and stuff. He was ahead of his time. So, yeah. Got like okay. a shotgun. You could like shoot the guy. I don't know. Something like that. Oh, I, I was drawing a blank and then I just thought of it and it's perfect. Duke Nukem. Oh, okay. yeah. That's a good one. Who was the Mortal Kombat? Who was the mascot there? Liu Kang? Liu Kang, Raiden, Sub-Zero, Scorpion. Scorpion. Scorpion's pretty good. My Scorpion. All right, yeah. Get over here. Get over. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we could do like a Mortal Kombat Zodiac or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Scorpion's pretty good. At. I'm not sure what the Sub-Zero. I guess it's Aquarius or something. Scorpion is for people who are like needy and like codependent and stuff. They need to bring people close to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Invading personal boundaries and stuff. And they're really fiery underneath. They have a really fiery nature. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a fun project. We'll we'll get right on that. (laughs) Sure. The next four episodes will be about that. (laughs) This is our astrology series for twenty (laughs) twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I had a lot of fun with this. It was fun uh, discussing this stuff and, and uh, getting our readings and all that kind of stuff. So sure. thanks for coming yeah. on, Ed. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for listening. If you would like to hear a second episode of the show every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon and you'll get that as well as access to our Discord. And if you want to send in a question anonymously for us to read on air, you can do that by going to our Twitter account for the podcast at You Can't Win Pod, and you'll find a link to Curious Cat Pin there where you can send that in. Uh, so yeah, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys.